Thank you for downloading or podcasting this track. This recording has been remastered to provide the best sound possible given the audio environment of the original recording session. Mosaic Silver Spring is a faith community located just inside the Capitol Beltway in Montgomery County. For more information, please visit our website, www.mosaicsilverspring.org, and we'll see you in the neighborhood. Okay, if you have Bibles with you, I would encourage you to open them to the letter from Paul uh, to the Corinthians, the first Corinthians uh, book of the Bible. It's going to be printed in your worship guide. It will be on the screen. But I recognize that it's a little bit tough sometimes to drop into uh, a a letter right in the middle. And so I'm going to give you a little bit of preface before I read chapter 8 or we read together. If you've ever talked with a car mechanic, someone who works on cars, or an engineer for that matter, sometimes it can be very confusing. Uh, They will explain, you know, you think what's going on is uh, my car is broken and it's making a weird sound. And you take it in, and then after a day or so, they call you and they say, yeah, 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 the rod from your transmission ran straight through your flux capacitor, and uh, it's leaking, uh, you know, uh, fluid everywhere, and uh, the, the, the whim-wham is uh, going to need to be replaced, and, and this other thing is cracked too. And you're like, how much is this going to cost me? Uh, you don't quite understand all of the language that was used, but the sense that you get is that it's broken. And it's not just uh, mechanics that this can happen with. It can happen with healthcare providers uh, who know all of the anatomy and physiology, but don't always do such a good job translating that. It can happen with computer and networking people. It can really happen with teenagers if you talk to them about any modern-day pop culture reference. Ask them about TikTok or the music that they listen to. And depending on your age, see, much, see how much you understand. That gap is the difference between being in the know and being not in the know. And when Paul is writing to the Corinthians, the issue of the day was not the auto mechanics, and it wasn't healthcare or computers or pop culture. It was how Christians should think about food that's been sacrificed to idols or is a part of idol ceremonies, idol, I-D-O-L. And they've asked Paul, they've sent news to Paul, they're saying, Paul, how are we supposed to interact with one another? It seems like there are some people who are in the know, and they have all the knowledge about this stuff, and then there are those of us who, we're just scared. We're just asking, like, how much is this going to cost? What's this going to do to my spiritual life? And it's through the lens of food sacrifice to idols that Paul is writing back in 1 Corinthians chapter 8. And he's letting Christians know that on the one hand, we have knowledge because of what God has done for us in Jesus. But how we use that knowledge matters. And that's what he's writing to tell them through the lens of food sacrifice to idols. Okay. Let's read chapter 8 together. I'm going to start in verse 1 and go through verse 13. It'll be on the screen and printed for you. I would invite you to follow along. Now, concerning food offered to idols, we know that all of us possess knowledge. This knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. If anyone imagines that he knows something, he does not yet know as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, he is known by God. Therefore, 
As to the eating of food offered to idols, we know that an idol has no real existence and that there is no God but one. For although there may be so-called gods in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father, from whom are all things and for whom we exist, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. However, Not all possess this knowledge, but some, through former association with idols, eat food as really offered to an idol, and their conscience, being weak, is defiled. Food will not commend us to God. We are no worse off if we do eat, and no better off if we do. But take care that this right of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. For if anyone sees you who have knowledge eating in an idol's temple, will he not be encouraged if his conscience is weak to eat food offered to idols? And so by your knowledge, this weak person is destroyed, the brother or sister for whom Christ died, thus sinning against your brothers and sisters, and one wounding their conscience when it is weak, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food makes my brother or sister stumble, I will never eat meat, lest I make my brother or sister stumble. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Okay, so the way in which it worked in the first century is that there wasn't easy ways to communicate with people. And as the Apostle Paul, a leader in the first century church, is moving around, starting or planting new churches, and sharing the news that Jesus is raised from the dead. And people have all sorts of questions about what that means uh, and what that means for them. Paul is traveling to make this known. Some of the churches that he has previously interacted with or helped develop they are sending messengers or word to him in whatever city he's found. And they have questions. Paul, we've heard this news that Jesus is raised from the dead. We've heard that you have declared that is the way that God is bringing about justice in our world and justice and life for us spiritually. We believe that. We turn in faith to Jesus. But now we have all sorts of other questions about what that actually means. How does that reshape how we live in community with one another? And Paul, in very clear ways, is trying to understand their questions. And he's saying, hey, I get it. Uh, Walking the Christian walk or living the Christian life, particularly if you used to do things one way, and now all of a sudden that's flipped. So for most of these people asking Paul these questions, they didn't grow up uh, in a Christian environment. And, And so a lot about their life is changing. One is when they were invited to parties at temples, for other gods in their city where there would be great feasts. I mean, fantastic feasts, really good food. Should they go to that or not? 
And so in verse 1, as it's opening up, Paul is writing to them, and we think uh, that he's quoting from the original letter. He sometimes signals, now concerning, is a signal to you in the letter of Corinthians that he's responding to something that they asked him about. So now concerning food offered to idols, we know, quote, all of us possess knowledge, and knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. And, and so he's beginning to do this business with uh, a couple of parts. First, the knowledge that they had, and then how they used that knowledge. So the knowledge that they had, as Paul unpacks in verses 4 uh, down through 6, is that uh, idols, from a Christian's perspective, are nothing but handmade things. Uh, from the Christian perspective, our profession of faith is that there is one God, God Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. And so if someone invites you to a party where they're worshiping some other God or Lord, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians, we know in some sense as Christians or from our perspective, that's no God or Lord at all. That's why uh, you can use air quotes there. Our profession is that there is one God, as Paul tells us in verse 6, the Father from whom are all things and from whom we exist, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. So Paul is saying, yeah, okay, as Christians, we all have that knowledge. Great. So the question becomes, how does that knowledge work out in our community if some who are in the know use that knowledge almost as a flex for people who don't know that, and uh, it kind of hurts their conscience. It makes them stumble. It makes them wonder, wait a second, are they still doing that because they're hedging, and maybe that idol does have power? Then how should those two interact? And this is where Paul, in verses 7 through 13, really begins to kind of turn away from what the knowledge is. And he is describing that when we are united together in Christ, we, life and being in the know becomes more than just being about us. We are part of a community. And what that means is we are called to love and care for others in the community. To be thoughtful about how we engage and so he says in 7 through, through 13, this is a bit of a nuanced answer, and I'm not going to walk through all of it. I'll just say he's trying to nuance. He's recognizing that that knowledge is true, that those idols are nothing. But he's saying in the day-to-day -day life, if that knowledge is being used in a way that causes people to stumble, then out of love and care and concern for our sister or brother, we have to be careful how we use that knowledge. Knowledge is not just about what we know and how we can show everyone else we're in the know, particularly if that makes them struggle with their faith. That's effectively what Paul's saying. He's giving this very nuanced answer in verses 7 through 13. So he's saying that as Christians, we have to think of ourselves, but not merely of ourselves. We have to think about our community as we walk through day-to-day -day life. Let me give you an example of this. Uh, we had the first ever bonus points here at Mosaic last week. First time we've done something like that. First time we've done it in this space. And it was fantastic. Uh, it was a packed house. Uh, there were lots of amazing questions. I think Sanrisa Drews had the question of the day. Well done, Sanrisa. Uh, but lots of really good questions. Lots of people in varying places asking questions about Scripture. 
And Dr. Jeremy Brown is teaching this class. Now, he has a PhD in Semitic languages. He knows more about Scripture than the average person. If there was ever a person who's in the know when it comes to the Hithpile and how a Hebrew canon was formed, it's Dr. Jeremy Brown. But when he shows up in this class, he doesn't flex that knowledge in a way that's provocative and shows all of you other people who don't have a PhD in Semitic languages is what you don't know. His attitude and approach to that knowledge is not to puff himself up and to use that time together uh, to show everyone how great he is. He uses it in a caring way to try to think through, how do I take the knowledge that I have and put it to service for my sisters and brothers who are here trying to work through legitimate questions? That is a rubber meets the road model of how it looks for us to use knowledge in not a self-serving, puff ourselves up kind of way, but in a turn to one another to try to meet them where they're at. So the people who are in the know aren't using it to puff themselves up, the knowledge puffs up piece, but rather we're turning in love. Why would we do that? Paul reminds us it's because we're here by God's grace. If we say things like we love God, it's because we are known by God. God has taken the initiative to reach out to us. So in some sense, that brings a level of humility. No matter how much you are in the know in your respective spheres, when it comes to your relationship to God, he took the initiative. And that should bring about an effect to say, okay, I got to be cautious about how puffed up I get. Because ultimately, I am a recipient of God's good grace. And then when we think about how we love our sisters and brothers, Paul is saying that Christ was raised from the dead for them also. And so when we think about how to love and care for one another, that is an extension of us being united together in Jesus. When Whatever your sphere is, because I couldn't cover them all. I tried to hit on a number of them. You think, hey, this is something that I legit know a lot about. Use that knowledge in service of others because of Christ's love and sacrifice to you. Where knowledge becomes not a tool to show everyone how great you are. It becomes an opportunity to selflessly serve and care for others in our community. That's Paul's call. He's saying, you, you want to know uh, how to be in the know? It's to demonstrate how well you understand God's grace to you and model that love and care for others. That's what it looks like to live in Christian community. Let me pray. God, I ask that you will watch over us. We have... In many ways, just a number of gifted women and men in our community in, in, who are in the know in all sorts of spheres. And, and that is an amazing gift. But God, I ask that particularly when we love and care for one another as a church, we would be actively looking for opportunities to use that status and knowledge to love. To use that status and knowledge to serve to use that status and knowledge to follow in your footsteps, Jesus, in the way in which we care for one another. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.